Hello and welcome to the County Line, discussions of party politics from the Washoe County Republican Party. Well, wonderful. Michael Cadenassi, uh, chairman of the Washoe County Republican Party with us. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share with you uh, some of the things that the Washoe County Party is doing. Oh. Uh, it's pretty dramatic. It's not what county parties usually do. And we think we're the cutting edge. Well, let me ask you, start then, give us some framework of what county parties usually do. Unfortunately, most county parties are either get out the vote and not very good at it, or Mm. they do some registration and the rest of the time they're more inward looking, looking at their own uh, organization, uh, the organizational politics, which sometimes can get yeah. uh, pretty silly. Anywhere uh, you insert politics. Exactly. Got to keep it about policy. Yeah. But what the Washoe County Party has done, especially with uh, our team, when we came in, we said, no, we want the party to be an effective campaigner. Mm. And what I mean by campaigner means we move the needle in terms of getting Republicans and specifically local Republicans, Republicans within our county, to county offices, state legislative offices, that was going to be our focus. Mm. And paying attention to the issues that are actually at hand, not some of the stuff that tends to distract us, which is Exactly. Nice. Unfortunately, you find in national politics, some of, these, um, some of the issues that come up in national politics can be divisive mm. more than helping getting Republicans out to vote for their local person. We think the local is more important. Yeah, and it's one thing to have a nation divided in two, but when you take that two and start dividing it, then it it gets dicey. Well, I think one of the reasons that we do this is, if you think about it, if you get your state assemblyman elected, Mm -hmm. uh, and all of a sudden you get another one elected, Mm -hmm. you've now elected a state senator. Because two assembly districts make a state senator. That's true. You get three or four uh, state Senate districts together, mm-hmm. guess what? You've got a congressional district. Wow, yeah. And all of a sudden, you have affected the politics of your state. Which inevitably affects the national change. Exactly. But it starts at the bottom, not at the top. Amen. Uh, the Washoe County Party, uh, when the new team took over, our first term, we said, we just want to see if we can move the needle. Yeah. So we break break that down a little bit for me. Move the needle. Move the needle means get people actually elected. Aha. Moving votes, moving making votes. change happen in a real way. In a real way at the local level. Okay. So you're not just talking donations. You're talking the whole spectrum of all of it: donations, walking, campaigning, just getting people. Well, the party didn't. The county party didn't do much of any of that. Uh-huh. Not even the fundraising. But the first step is not the fundraising. The first step is develop a program. Now, we did uh, in our first term. Uh, We've now finishing the second election cycle, the two-year cycle that we've been in. Mm -hmm. So the first cycle, we said, let's get – we looked at everything, and we said, you know what? Uh, Volunteers walking and calling, it doesn't seem to be working very well. So Uh what we did for the first time is we had a program. We went to the college, got – college uh, Republicans, mm-hmm. uh, these kids in there, train them and put them in the field. The first time we put 10, uh, 10 interns, as we call them, paid mm-hmm. in the field. Wow. And what was the result? Well, you can see the result. The first thing mm-hmm. is 
out of 23 down-ballot races, Republicans won 19 of them. Wow. That's significant. The other thing that's, that says why that happened is if you look at uh, the two races from 2014 to 2018, which are the 2018 is where we had the program, 14 was the uh, non-presidential election prior to that. Mm. We moved turnout for Republicans by 12 percentage points. That means we turned out an additional 15,000 Republicans wow. in Washoe County. That's an incredible figure. And actually what, you, what you're what really getting to the, the meat of there is that it means you grabbed some of those, some, some of us, I'm, I'm going to refer to myself as an us here. You grabbed some of us who sit in the middle and try to watch what makes sense in all of it. And, and you were able to effectively give us some facts that made us say, well, let's go and, and, and make this a Republican vote the, for me. The way we did that is that we stressed not talking to, I recall, dyed-in-the-wool Republicans, ah. people who Republicans had vote in every election. And we right. can see that from the data. Yeah. So we tried to talk to weak Republicans, one that showed up sometime, didn't show up, and the independents. Ah, yeah. And as a result— yeah. These people turned out. Yeah. And the reason is we talked about local races. Now, the other thing we had to mm. do in order to feel that, uh, feel those interns, we had to pay for them. Yeah, no doubt. So the Washoe County Party traditionally raised twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year. In our first go, we raised almost $300,000. Wow. Now, the reason for that is not because we were... Uh, super salesman or anything. All right. The point is, we had a program. You developed and, the right program. And the program uh-huh. we could demonstrate was going to be effective. And in fact, uh, it was more effective than we determined. Now, Which is always beautiful. The next time, which was the uh, this last election ending in 20, uh-huh. uh, we said, we're going to do the same thing, only better. Wow. So the first thing we did is we identified six races because we determined that we need to move the needle in the state legislature. So mm-hmm. we identified one state Senate and five races in the assembly. Mm-hmm. And our goal was to get out of the super minority in the um, uh, assembly and protect our position in the uh, uh, state Senate. Wow. So these five races or six races required uh, hiring more people. So we fielded in this cycle 28 Aid interns. Whoa! Now some of those folks had to walk um, to go to uh, Clark County, uh-huh. i.e. Las Vegas. And why did we go down there? Well, we had a major donor that said, "I see what you're doing. I see it works. You need to be down there in some key races," which yeah. we did. So, and the results were of the identified races. By the way, we identified those races before the election, substantially before, uh-huh. about a year before. So it isn't like we're yeah, uh, yeah, going were, back and said, we said, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, you were planning. The okay. chess was on early. So we said, this uh-huh. is what we're going to do. So out of those six, we won five of those elections. Five out of six. So And on the state Senate, uh, we protected the one we wanted to protect, which was Heidi Gansert, uh-huh. And actually, one more was in, uh, we got one more. I, we don't take credit for that extra state Senate down in uh, sure. because we didn't walk for. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, the program worked. We demonstrated it worked. Yeah, those 
are results. Those are results. When, you, when you're setting out for something, five out of six, protecting, and I really enjoy Heidi Ganser. I think she is somebody that is able to look past all of the, the narrative stuff and really get to the brass of what's, what's real and what she faces. Our donors, because they liked our program, pushed us into other counties. So we actually had paid walkers not only in Washoe, we had them in Clark and in Carson City. Wow. So uh, we also developed and mailed 270,000 slate mailers in two counties. We did two in Washoe and one in uh, Clark County. Wow. We did the whole thing and we raised the money. Give you an idea of what all this cost is we raised last almost half a million dollars. That's a county party raising half a million dollars. Here, let's use this one. <laughs> uh, so here's a question I have for you: Of the 28 interns, the second time around, how many this time were college-age Republicans? All of them. Every single one. And we got them from uh, UNR and UNLV. Excellent. Because we were down there. Our party now has demonstrated that we can plan a program, uh-huh. we can execute a program. And we can fund it. We can actually go get donors to pay for it. Wow. Uh, and on the ground level, what a nice thing to be able to see up close for these college-age kids because it's so important and healthy to have diverse viewpoints in college. And sometimes that age, you're really susceptible to the humanity of issues. Exactly. And, and so when you inject the ability to say, look, let's, let's, let's get rid of the cloud narrative stuff that overdoses our minds. And, and look at what's happening at a state and county level and what you can do to actually erase some of what's happening. It's nice. I mean, some of them are choosing to, to go to work as interns and, and get involved. That's a big deal. I think the key takeaway is that the Washaw program is uh, one that has been proven now in two election cycles. And the keys are, one, we train our interns. We don't just stick them in the field. They go through a rigorous training program. Uh-huh. They're supervised. Uh, and because of that, they know how to engage the voter. That's the key is engagement. Mm-hmm. And that's why we focus on very local. We train the, uh, the kids to be able to talk about local issues. Uh-huh. So, we, so they, they're articulate. Yeah, uh, the whole idea is engagement. It's not banging them over the head saying, "Are you going to vote for?" It? Uh, yeah, we don't. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. never ask that. We really try to get them to do most of the talking. And as a result, they go to the polls because they've talked themselves into it, and that's kind of our key. And because we did that, uh, we were able to move the needle quite a bit. Uh, one of the things we look at, we look at these. Ra- we looked at these races up front and said. Are they winnable? And mm. if you looked at the Dem versus Republican, you would, could come to the conclusion they weren't winnable. Mm. The reality is Nevada has changed and has yeah. changed dramatically. It is no longer a Republican or Democrat state, no matter what either party wants to say. Yeah, yeah. It is an independent state. Amen. They're, the 29% of the electorate in Washoe County are not registered to a major party. Wow. You cannot win an election at a local level without, or, or any election, without getting 
the lion's share of those independents. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do is ask some of the polarizing questions yeah, right. right off the bat. I mean, if you're going to say, are you going to vote for Senator so-and-so? Yeah. But here's the problem. If they said yes, you didn't need to call on that door. Yeah, but the true. problem is there some of them are going to slam the door in your face. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so you don't get a, a conversation going. So we don't talk about the top of the ticket. We talk about issues that are applicable to a particular assembly district or state senate district. Yeah. And guess what happens? You get a conversation going. Yeah, weird how what happens when you feed people real and true information. And, and guess what happens? They go to the polls. One of two things are going to happen if you've convinced an independent to go to the polls and vote for an assembly person or a state senator. Uh-huh. They're going to vote for that person because that's what you got them motivated. And up ticket, they're mm-hmm. going to do one of two things. They're going to either vote all the way up the ticket uh-huh. or they're not. The one thing they're not going to do is vote for the other side. Yeah. Because if you've motivated them on conservative issues, they're not going to vote for the other side yeah. nationally. So uh-huh. you have nothing to lose by getting those people to the polls. That's true. Now, and getting them informed. It's everything to gain to give them the information because otherwise they're just looking at the ticket, like you said, and some of them are blind choices, and they're just either going up the line or guessing which name they like more or those types of things. So you give them a little information. This is what's going on in your district, and this is the assemblyman that uh, you know stands in line with your view. Correct. That's a great, uh, a great strategy. Now, Washoe believes in our program. Our donors believe in our program because we've demonstrated through two cycles that it actually works. It yeah, actually work. gets results. That's right. You can see it's tangible, huh. and we don't brag about knocking on a bazillion doors or making 10 bazillion phone calls. Uh, right, right. What we say is, we targeted these races, and here's the ones we won. Yeah. To me, that's the only score that really matters. That's true, not, sir. Not, you set a goal, and you achieved it both times. Not, not what you did, but what was the result of what you did. Yes. And we're happy to live on our record, because we think it's pretty good. Yeah. Going forward, we have an aggressive program. Uh-huh. Uh, because we've been successful, our donors are willing to back us, uh, and we know how to do it. I mean, one anecdote is when a donor came to us and asked, said, can you go to Clark County and work on three races? And we said, yes. From the day he wrote the check, we were up and running with boots on the ground where we had recruited, hired, and trained and put them in the field in five days. Wow. So we have the mechanics, we have the team that can actually execute a program and it goes back to you developed the right program at phase one exactly amazing now in this next uh, cycle what we're planning on doing number one we're going to be polling these target universes and the two target universes again weak republicans and nonpartisan that was not registered to any particular part The second thing we're going to do is we're going to hone in on the data. We have a pretty good data program Mm -hmm. here. We have about three or four guys are all retirees who worked in uh, IT. Uh, They're pretty good. In fact, the guy that heads it up uh, owned companies, started companies, owned companies, and sold companies in Silicon Valley. Very cool. So 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 you're there, there. We're going to put 48 paid people in the field. Uh-huh. We're going to do fun slate mailers and get out the vote. We're going to add a couple of things to our program. We're actually going to do some targeted mailings oh. to support specific candidates. Uh-huh. But 
most of what we do is not candidate specific. Uh-huh. We do work. In other words, if we're going to drive uh, uh, voters out to vote in a particular race, we do that, but we do it independent of the campaign uh-huh. of the candidate. Mm-hmm. We focus on the universes we want. We let them go for the Republican vote, et cetera. We go for these independents, et cetera, like that. And we're two years early here, and you already have some idea this of what offices our, you're targeting and everything. Yes, we yeah. already have tentatively okay. identified the races. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done a tentative budget, and it's close to $900,000. All right. Uh, How many interns do you expect this time? 48. 48. 48. Look at that number go. <laughs> so, and we're going to be, we're already dealing with uh, groups and county parties other than our own. We projected our program into two other counties last time. We hope to do a little better this time. Yeah. But the reality is we need to be in Clark because there seems to be a vacuum there. Yeah. Well, anytime you start urbanizing too much, you're, you're, you're causing people to be dependent on one another in a lot of different ways. And, and it just makes you susceptible to, once again, that emotional nip, uh, manipulation that occurs in politics. Exactly. We, we're, we do it by data. Mm-hmm. And I think the key, uh, if you want to look at one race that will tell you the data story, uh, we look at Congressman Amaday's race. Mm. Uh, in the last race in Washoe County, not the whole CD2, but in Washoe County alone, he got 121,000-plus votes. Wow. Now, we know, because you can see this from the data, that only 98,000 Republicans showed up. Wow. Now, wow. if he had to got if he got a hundred percent of those, he would have lost the race. Wow! So, uh, because the Democrat got one hundred and sixteen thousand votes in Washoe County. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting part. Boy, those independents you, were close, weren't they? The independents. He won the race uh, by about five or six thousand votes. Uh huh. Totally. In wow. Washoe. He won by roughly 5,000 votes. Oh, my god! Now, why? The votes from other than Republicans had to be somewhere around 28,000 votes. Wow. So he got those independents. Yes, he did. And that tells us we're on the right track. And it's nice, too, because what it really does is it allows you to take a broad view perspective of Washoe County because you can look at now several top offices and say, well, win some, lose some. And it shows right there that it's not red and it's not blue. It's really getting looked at. So information is very valuable so and a plan that works very valuable. Our biggest plan right now is number one, let's focus on those 28,000. That's right. We need to know what motivates them. So we're doing polling. Yeah. We're doing, uh, we'll send our interns out. We, already still, we still have about 10 on, on staff. So they're going to go out and chat in these uh, in our districts up here to see, and but specifically to these independents. So we're going to find the issues. We're going to find out why they voted the way they did. We'll ask them, yeah. know, why, why'd you vote? Why'd you vote this way? And just, just let them talk. Yeah. And by that way, we're going to have a window into those independents yeah. because yeah. they're the key to winning all races, not just the local races, but even delivering uh, the state of Nevada for Republicans. Yeah. You can't do it with Republican registrants only. It will not work. Yeah. Well, and what I really like about this is it's winning races for people who are standing on the side of things that people want. These voters are hearing this is what affects your assembly 
And and voters are saying, well, we kind of want to look at this guy. What it does is it it removes the the red and blue element from the feeling of the voter in a way, so that they feel like they can just look at it truthfully and choose the right choice. And I do think that the blue side of things gets a little scared when that starts happening. I agree because if you look at the issues, even some of the people who are registered Democrat, the reality is on some of these issues they're very close to what the Republican position is. Yeah. So what we do is we engage. We don't try to rub their nose in or the polarizing questions. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why what we've done, because we've targeted the independents, because we've not tried to force them to do anything other than react to us, mm-hmm. and we try to satisfy their questions on particular issues. The interesting thing is we're finding that more of them think conservatively, don't say Republican, but conservatively on some of these issues uh, than the the registration numbers might lead you to believe. Well, the issue points are trick questions in and of themselves. What the person who asks you one of these trick national narrative questions is really asking is they're trying to get to a root of who you are. And, and so it's, it, for me, has always been kind of easy to be like, listen, you don't want to know my answer to that anyway. That's not what you're interested in. So let me just tell you how I feel about what you're actually asking. And once you do that again, it just strips all that red and blue, and people go, well, we're not as far off as maybe we thought. We could find some unity somewhere. Well, I, unfortunately, many of the polls uh, are what I call push polls. Ah. Many of the polls that you will get, they're not designed to really get – to understand your point of view. Ah. What they're really designed to is find the people who are rabid about X or Y. Right. And not with a vote, not with the eye to, to getting them out to vote, to getting them to send money. Yeah. And I true. find that distasteful. Now, here's a, something that's interesting. A large part of my social media, I'm sort of rabid independent. Mm-hmm. Most of what I preach is relationship. And, and so when I go on to my, my Facebook and talk politics, for example, it's generally coming from a place of why in the world do 30% of you believe that the election results were wrong last time and 30% believe this time it's wrong? That tells me that the two sides have too many people involved. 30% is a wide gap. That means there's only 40%. That polarization is just going to get you, it'll rip you in half. Uh, well, a lot of that, unfortunately, is driven by the fundraising because uh, if you can get people rabid, they're true. more likely to write a check. Wow, that's actually, it's so profound because Facebook does work the same way. It, it targets your outrage because then you're getting the dopamine hit that you get from somebody joining in with you in your outrage and you get those likes and stuff. But also, we're sort of conditioned to get that same feeling of uh, relief and accomplishment and success uh, through punishment. And so outrage is really fueling everything. Most people are mad. They don't know what they're mad at. They don't know what they're mad at. And what they don't know is they're being manipulated into writing checks. And a lot of this is, uh, I looked at these fundraisers coming from various groups, and they all read exactly the same. Aren't you pissed off about insert whatever the outrage of the day is. And then you read the down to the bottom of the page and it says, your solution is send us money. The one thing they never say, they never ask, here's what we're going to do with your money to make a difference. Now, let me tell you, I I respect independence. Obviously we're, we're courting them. Yeah, sure. And independent, you can be an independent. Unfortunately, 
when you get to elective politics, you cannot be. Right. And the reason is that policy is made by the majority party. True. Party. And we only have two. That's right. And so you, know, you can sit there and go down to the legislature and say, like a Ron Paul, or, uh, and say, That's right. I'm an independent. And you say, okay, it's great. He has a voice. But when's the last time he actually got a bill all the way through? Yeah, when because was he able bi- to use that voice? Wow. Yeah. Yes, but as a legislator, that's maybe that's not his job. Yeah. As a legislator, you're going to have to work with even across the aisle. So, But if you want to steer public policy to where you want it to be, yeah. then you have to pick a side. That's right. You cannot say, I'm independent. Well, okay, but then you have no voice. Which is interesting because, in a way, it, it sort of always puts independence in the driver's seat. Yes and no. And the biggest problem why no, yeah, tell uh, and we tell, them people, we tell independents this, you have no say in picking the candidate because, the, ah. because in the primary – Guess what? They don't get to vote. Wow, that's an interesting kind of check and balance of they do one not another. Get, they do not get to vote, oh, and unfortunately. Ah, so they said, well, he's a rhino. Well, okay, did you vote in the primary? No. Why not? Well, I'm an independent, registered independent. Well, then you didn't have a voice in picking the candidate. Yeah, you kind of uh, got to pick your side. You wow. Gotta, you got to pick your side. But you also have to don't be rabid. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's okay to be flexible. That's right. A little bit flexible. <laughs> yeah. The idea is that it's not that you want your way. You have a you have a vision for where you want government to be. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to use the political party to get there. So don't look at U-turns or right turns. You look at nudging it slightly to the right. All right. Or right, slightly, right. and the other side should be look nudging it slightly to the left. And, and it hope, does take that correction sometimes. You need I mean, the correction, it, but yeah. unfortunately, what we do is is uh, the polarizing politics. It's either this way or that way, yeah. and that's really not politics. It's not really veering, what happens. Just keep veering. And if you want it to go to the right, which I do. Uh, and I, it's for a very good reason. I, I, I look around, you look around at the states and cities, and you don't find many that are in Republican hands, but if you look at states, which are the better run states, just generally, not mm. whether you agree with every policy in that state. Yeah. Generally, Republican run states, they've balanced their budget, the taxes are reasonable, and they get stuff done. Well, and you're hitting on another place where I've always found we can wash away the red and blue colors a little bit in the heart because it's not as though, you know, human beings should be able to figure out how to be socially moral and fiscally responsible. It, yeah. it's, it's not a conflict of interest. But unfortunately, they don't. <laughs> but every, every city that's run by the Democrats is usually underwater financially. Yeah. Uh, has, and, and, has, and the people getting those paychecks are not underwater. Right. Just the people who are voting for them. Exactly. And you look at the, uh, uh, if you want to call them the underclass, mm. uh, in most of it, the underclass is, is either stagnant or growing, yeah. not shrinking. And I think this is another key problem is that you have to identify it as something. You have to identify that, hey, look, it's I'm not like calling you a name by saying underclass. I'm saying that, look, the way that, things are, your function of life and however you're living it has led you to this because of this. And and now you have to know how to be looked after a little bit if that's what you need. The assistance well, can I, be there, but it's got to yeah, be done. I right. think that's, as much as I appreciate that, this is where I'm at. Tell me. If they have, if there is a city with an underclass and that underclass isn't shrinking or living better, mm-hmm. 
The first question is not who they are feeling sorry for them. As if you're the executive that's supposed to run things, I say, wait a minute, what we're doing isn't working because I don't ascribe bad motives. I think they really want to make these people their lives better. Yeah. But they don't. It's not working. But they don't. Whatever their programs are, they're wrong. And the reason they're wrong is they don't work. Uh The class stays the same. The, uh, the small minority uh, neighborhoods stay underserved yeah. in democratically and run cities. And kind of growing. And kind yeah. of growing, right. Yeah, the homeless, right. we have huge ho- homeless programs, but everywhere we have them, the homeless keep growing. Yeah. And you say, wait a minute, maybe what we're doing isn't the right thing. But nobody wants to, that's my criticism of the left. They never sit back and say, you know, no one's questioning whether you want to do well, but right. you aren't. If it's working, aren't. It, the thing it's not is, working. is <laughs> compassion can be very, very costly on the soul. Right. You, your heart is wanting to help. So you want to expand a lot of programs that are designed to help. But what they also in, invariably do is enable. And, and I started to really get a wake up call myself when I was hearing about programs like Seattle, where they said, we're, we're going to help absolutely everybody. Well, suddenly cities were putting their homeless on buses and planes and sending them <laughs> off to Seattle and just see you when you get there. Well, you're never going to make it back to Nashville like no. on foot if you're homeless and, and completely destitute of means. It, it can never happen that way. So it, it, you're inviting infection. I, I, I look at homelessness the way I look at any sort of infection that creeps upon us. It's telling us we're not taking the right measures to heal it. Is that making sense? Well, exactly. Is that the programs, no matter how well-meaning, uh, and, and compassion can lead you down the wrong path. That's sure. as simple as that. Uh, nobody questions that you don't want to help them. Of course we you see do. see you care, yeah. Of course you care. But what you're doing doesn't work. And right. it's consistent among almost every Democrat city. Yes. And, and you can get, you know, I have a thing here local. I, I'm a local guy. I like to look at local politics first. And I've always sort of had this rub about the shelter because beyond people and how they care and try to care and create programs, there's also this other layer of how can we make our caring uh, sort of financially work for us. <laughs> Uh, and and it, it blew me away to see how much uh, of these government checks, because it's not as though every homeless person is penniless. So they're getting a small amount of money. It's just not enough to shelter. And, and so you put the homeless shelter right smack in the middle of town. And, uh, and then wonder why there's a homeless well, yeah. <laughs> group right there. But then you also can look at the public books of the publicly traded uh, casinos and see the revenue and see how much of that is coming from what kind of money and see a very significant dollar amount coming from social program checks being cashed and gamed. Exactly. Yeah, wild. It's not always from the heart. <laughs> we got to look at the whole picture. Well, I think you can look at... Uh, you said something interesting about putting the shelters in because you have compassion for these people. What most people don't understand uh, is that a lot of the shelters and interim housing, which is one step up from the shelter mm-hmm. where they have permanent uh, and where they get some help, um, that whole system just does not work. Reason one of the not. reasons it doesn't work is something that hap- started in California, is that's pushing a lot of people who should have been kept in institutions and pushing them out. 
uh-huh. and where they wound up was the street. Yeah. And then, so this was done out of compassion. You say, okay, we want, we don't need, they don't need to be institutionalized. The reality was a lot of them did. Yeah. But, uh, and institutions, and it was actually more cost effective to keep some of those people there. Yeah. Because they required care. Yeah. If you put them on the street, no matter how many shelters or interim houses and programs, those people, because they're mentally ill, are not going to, uh, uh, they're not going to move up. Yeah. So uh, the other thing is, what have you done? You've, they were there in an institution with mental health people. You've now put them on the street and you put the burden on dealing with them, what? With the police force. Right. And so now we want to manipulate the police force. Because now we say politics. that they got to be social workers. Well, that's not their job. Yeah. So what you did is you put them under the care of people who are not trained to do that. Yeah. And I feel sorry for the cops that have to do this. Yeah. And you know something? I'll, t- I'll point to a personal experience here. My uh, Someone close to me in my family had uh, a kind of a mental break and started doing some wandering and, and all sorts of various behaviors. And an officer picked her up, and he had taken her to some sort of a clinic facility, which was essentially where the homeless people are going to get, uh, 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 you know, things related to their their uh, drug usage and things like that. Uh, and it was like any other scenario. You'd be like, why in the hell would you take her there? That's terrible. But I was just sitting thinking, thank God you didn't just take her to jail. <laughs> Because what else would this man know to do with her? He's an officer of the law. It's not, you know, he, he she doesn't do anything wrong. She just doesn't know where to go. And nobody is connecting those kinds of dots. Well, I think one of the problems is it's easier for the left to look at homeless as, as another needy group that they can satisfy and uh, uh, satisfy and in exchange for votes. Yeah. I think and if you don't right. think they don't get those votes... Then why why are so many registered voters on the Democrat side? Because we can see this data are registered at homeless shelters. Well, and the longer we continue to not acknowledge things that don't work, the more we're really just dragging the dignity of homeless people exactly. through the mud. They're still real human beings having a very but most real of them experience. have mental problems, and the problem is we need to address that. It needs to be addressed yeah. as a health issue not uh, an economic issue. Well, you're hitting on something interesting there. I mean, imagine some sort of a program that was set up to be like a triage where people could go and be assessed based on their uh, their state. If it's a mental health uh, issue, we know where to help you go. If it's a if this is a year you're just you need to get back to work, pal. <laughs> then we know where to help you go too. <laughs> Whatever it is, there's an assessment that can be done. And it it seems like it, if you're going to go with some sort of a shelter concept that the shelter portion should be some sort of reserved as a as a care facility like you're alluding to but when they come in that's where that triage process begins and then we set up our system to just help whoever unfortunately is in state. unfortunately welfare doesn't work that way and uh, they Very found that out in LA uh, when they started expanding the system I and mean, LA has probably got one of the most generous uh, Welfare, welfare system systems. completely, yeah. and yet their homeless population is growing. It's growing by choice. They choose to stay on the street. Uh, I was on the board of a, uh, what I would call, second-tier shelter. And what that means is it's 
it's not a day shelter. It's where people would come in, and this is where they turned their life around. Mm. So they had to work. They had to go to. They had to do their own food service, etc. Keep your bed clean. Here's your locker. And the idea was we cleaned them up, uh, gave them some job training, and then sent them out on interviews. Uh, but there were rules. You couldn't bring your weapons in. You couldn't bring your drugs in. Uh, we and we had, I think, uh, 400 beds. We were never more than 60% occupied mm. mm-hmm. because the people did not want to obey any rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be treated differently. I agree. That's I- a mental issue. That's a drug issue that has not... Yeah. An economic issue. It's yeah. not because they're down and out because they lost their job. There's another issue, and we need to r- realistically deal with those issues. Well, now you're hitting it again. I mean, you've just got so many different reasons for how and why it happens, but it, it really does at some point in life identify as choice because even if it if later in your life your, your mental state is just so far that it's no longer a choice for you, at some point it was a choice to continue on a certain pattern. I recognize it's not always true, right? I, I recognize no, it. there's going to be exceptions. But, 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 but for the most part, you're born, you have a, a skin color that is given to you, you have an, an anatomical sex that's given to you, and after that, everything is pretty much a choice. Yeah, unfortunately, people don't want to see those choices. They say, well, I was for, I had to do this or I had to do that. Yeah. And what that is, people making excuses for their own behavior, bad behavior. It's true. Uh, how society deals with that, that's a different, whatever we're doing now, I don't think it's the right thing. It doesn't yeah. seem to work. <laughs> it does seem like there's a lack of, uh, of acceptance for healthy boundaries and the difference of like well, hurt I, feelings. I, I think it just, it's just all of these prescriptions, to me, make no sense. Because what I look at is the city. And I mean, I haven't looked at all of these and come up with a better one. But sure. I said there has to be. I yeah. said what I look at is I look at major cities, and I said, is it getting better in that city? And the answer is no. Yeah, it's getting worse. So I don't care what you're doing, whatever it is. Yeah, you ought to be looking at doing other things. But what I see is, for the most part, they want expansion of the existing programs. Yeah. Which have now been proven not to work. Well, see, and here's the thing they got to realize. America is not a circus tent propped up by one big pole that we just have to figure out the best pole. It, the thing is a lot of different parts. So we, what, what really you have to do is start analyzing which components don't work, not which one major president doesn't work or one major figure isn't right, working. Exactly. What little pieces are broken and what needs Unfortunately, repairing. you find out that's work. Oh, that's hard. True. Well, uh, yeah, that's right. I guess I'll <laughs> just go back to casting my vote and going away. I think away. some of those people that are in in office, they don't want to take. They don't want to put the effort in to really solve those issues. What yeah. they're more concerned about is how do I stand on these issues so I get reelected. Yeah. And I think that's one of the downsides. Uh, we have in American politics. Well, that's the responsibility of the voter right there is to identify who's serving us and who's serving themselves. But one of the problems we have today is the outrage. I mean, you put your finger on it. Yeah. Is that we become, the politics has been reduced to what are you pissed off about the most. 
today. today. And if you really boil it down, what you're pissed off most about is you're upset with your life somewhere, somewhere. and you've got a nice outlet to just hammer someone else for exactly. that day because they're a Nazi, that, terrible human that whatever, just whatever, whatever the three doors down from you. We become a nation of labels. Yes. Oh, wow. They've the got problem. the labor makers working all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I got to tell you, it's been a real pleasure to sit with you. If, if there's anything else you'd like to tell us about what the party's doing, I'd love to hear that. No, I think I've laid out what we're going to be doing. There's plenty of room for volunteers to come in and work. Wonderful. Uh, so, and we're going to be in at least three counties again, probably a couple more. So well, we need the help. <laughs> may the donors out there who like a good plan that's effective based on real measures and is now proven – Step forward. I mean, independent people need to understand the real policies. Again, policies, not politics. It's it's very important. So so reach out, uh, find Mr. Cadenasi, and uh, by goodness, let's just keep fighting the good fight the real way. Thank you. Have a great day, sir. Thank you for joining us. To make contact with the Washoe County Republican Party or the county line, please call 775-827-1900 or visit www.washogop.org.